0: Hi everybody! This is the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm Matt. I'll be hosting this podcast as I do most weeks. Yeah, yeah usually it's me. Uh, with me this week is my amazing co-host Joe Perez. He has not been bitten by a radioactive spider. Although I sometimes think... I wish I would have been. My problem is that it's just I've read way too many internet web articles about what would actually happen if you have been by a radioactive spider, and most of them are like you might get sick.
1: I mean I straight up would die. I'm I'm definitely allergic to spiders, which would make that incredibly interesting.
0: Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, you dying, that that's fascinating. Wow, look at Joe dying. Who, who knows? Maybe my, my maybe really. maybe
1: my irradiated corpse would come back as a Spider Man, who knows?
0: Yeah. They've done a lot of weird things with Spider Man over the years, but this is not the show for that discussion. <laughs> This is the show for talking about Blizzard and its games. Because I have to remind myself, don't go off on the Spider-Man
1: tangent. We would we would talk about comics for seriously for hours, folks. We would.
0: Seriously, I'm fighting so hard not to go off about the the Spider-Man Doctor Doctor Strange team-up comic that I read the other day. But but no, we're not doing that. We're not. We're not doing that. Blizzard and its games. Let's talk about what's going on in the world of Warcraft. Um, we got a fair amount of, of emails and questions on, on Discord this week to go through, so that's nice. We Thank you guys it. very much for sending those. Um, but let's talk about, I think, the biggest story, which they literally dropped on us today, While well, like a half an hour after I wrote the email for the show. Uh, they've officially canceled BlizzCon 2020. It will not be happening this year. And there will not be a virtual version of it this year either. Um, if there is a virtual stand in for blizzcon or some kind of virtual content hub it's not going to be till 2021 yep and if you're upset or or you know unhappy about this decision i i guarantee you so are they um i've seen like about like close to 30 blizzard people today tweeting about how disappointed they are yeah they're not going to get to see people they're not going to get to have blizzcon um they really like blizzcon they they like meeting up with fans they like Getting with the the energy of the experience—that's something they really like. That's why they do it. That's why they have a an, an executive producer, just dedicated to BlizzCon. You guys got to realize they have full-time staff who just work on BlizzCon. That's what they do. So, yeah, um, that's something that's not going to be happening this year. It has been canceled. It's because of COVID nineteen. I have to say, I think it's a it's a very smart idea. You don't want to risk having people fly in uh and be at a big convention hall the the the, people forget this but covid 19 started spreading in the united states after a biotech conference in boston that was the big initial surge i think there's like 20 something cases that that came out of that and that's uh, a ton of infection came through that all the people coming going from that convention in in march i think maybe earlier but in con- Boston conventions
1: happens. are conventions are basically the worst place to be. while something like this
0: is going on. I and, mean, people get sick every year at conventions just from like, yeah, you just know, think of
1: your normal con crud, right? Like, yeah, think how bad that is. How many times we come back from the conventions and, you know, three days later, we just feel like absolute hot garbage run over three times by a truck. Like it happens. Everybody it, it's happened. I guarantee to everybody at least once that's gone to a convention. And, now magnify that so i agree like this is something that i know a lot of people are unhappy about like matt said there's a lot of employees that are are and, and folks that work at blizzard that have have voiced their um not anger at it but like they're just anger at the situation Sadness. right yeah
0: it's, they're sad they're not gonna get to do it they're know? sad at it's... it. They're,
1: they're angry at the thing that they can't see and fight back against like it's it's a not great situation but and i think it's them canceling it is the smart choice and i've said that a lot it's the right choice to keep as many people safe as possible it's it makes no sense
0: i absolutely agree um now i went my first blizzcon was last year i wasn't going to go this year there's just no way i didn't have the money uh but i mean i still would have got the virtual ticket and i still would have watched it because you know blizzcon come on And yeah, whatever they do, they're going to do stuff. They're going to figure out ways to do esports and have the esports competitions at some point. And they're going to think about how to do some kind of virtual content thing next year to to at least, you know, give people something. And that's great. And I I totally support that. But in the end, it comes down to, do you want to make your your fans sick or not? And they decided they did not want to make their fans sick. And they didn't want to risk it. Because technically speaking, yes, BlizzCon is in November, but that's still, like, with the way things are going, with all the stuff that's going on in the world, it's quite possible that we'd be in a new wave of it by then. So, yeah, I think we're, we're generally in agreement here that, that this is the smart move. It's not yeah. a fun move, but sometimes you've got to not have fun.
1: Yeah, we don't have to like it, but you have to, I mean, we just acknowledge that it's the right thing.
0: Okay. So there's that situation. Like I said, they dropped that on us like literally... A couple hours ago. Yeah. Um, they also did, like, last week, one of the things they did was they did a little preview of Oribos. and Yeah. Up at the top of Oribos, if you have to use stuff like Shaman Farsight um, to, to see this. I think... Um, I'm not, I don't know exactly how he did it. I think Mitch said he did it with Farsight. I'm not 100%. But I think he did. Uh, he might have been used the hunter ability eyes of the beast and just flown it up there somehow. I don't know. I think it was Farsight though. Uh, you, you basically, if you if you manage to get a look at the very top of Oribos, which you can't actually get to right now, the, the the place you'd have to be, the Arbiter is up there, at the very top of Oribos, and it's motionless. It's doing nothing. And they said in their preview that the the Arbiter is dormant. That the the arbiter is currently the reason that the, everything's happening with the maw and the the souls of the dead going to the maw instead of going to where they're supposed to go, is the arbiter is just sit is like just standing there doing nothing, while the fountain of souls flushes down into into the maw, flushes down was not the best word there, but you you know what I'm saying. Uh, what did you think about that, Joe?
1: Uh, I thought it was very very cool. One of the things I really liked about it was seeing some of the. Uh, the screenshots or the the pictures of the areas, uh, in particular, the section that looked like it was seats of all four zones, uh, that looked like they were like these weird, I don't want to say like altars, but like pedestals, that was very clearly, one was Ardenweald, one was very clearly Maladreth, like, it was interesting to me to see how like some of this stuff might play out, or wind up becoming something important later on like as we start fixing things are these going to start playing and are we going to start to see like the Arbiter wake up are we going to start to see you know the representatives from each of these uh, disparate zones come here to sort of plead their case to the Arbiter for uh, the souls because that, that, that always arbitration always was that like it's the decision maker but there's always an argument. There's always a case. There's always two, like sides of people making the case for why something should be the way it is. And then the arbiter decides which way it goes, much like a judge. So I'm kind of curious if, as things start rolling along, if we're going to start seeing interactions between uh, the different factions uh, or the, the different uh, covenants. And if that's going to play out almost like role playing wise, where... Maybe they argue, maybe they lobby for getting the certain amount of souls, uh, but I'm super intrigued and like seeing these pictures, uh, I, I want to go poke around so bad. I want to see what my shaman site can, can pick up because there's, there's gotta be tons of stuff to find, but I'm excited. It just did nothing but excite me more.
0: Uh, on that subject, because there's actually something I, I wrote about, one of the things I noticed, is a small little thing, but it's one of the things that got me thinking about stuff that's got me excited for Shadowlands. Uh, and I don't know if this is actually going in. I went into the game and checked, and it's not currently live on the alpha. But uh, you know how like they've been doing stuff like letting Frost DKs have, have two-handed weapons back? Yeah. And letting monks use the weapons they could use before and so forth? Yeah. Um, they changed they put dual wield back in for for warriors as separate from titan's grip where it specifically says and this has been data mined. it's not live and it's not even live on the alpha but it says it allows you to equip one and offhand weapons which would basically be the return of using one handers interesting words well, that's, that's something like people have been asking for for a while isn't it for warriors it got rid of it in legion Because they they were like, okay, we're going to make the artifacts and we we have to decide what is the artifact going to be, two two two-handed weapons or two one-handed weapons? What are we going to do? And they went with two two two-handers. And I'm not sure that they knew immediately which one they were going to go with. Because if you remember the uh, Legion Alpha, the, uh, the artifact originally was much shorter. And I don't know if that's because they just intended for it to be longer and then it just ended up shorter and then they had to fix it. Or if they were like still on the fence about if it was going to be two one-handers or two two-handers. But it ended up being two two-handers, and Titans Grip ended up winning. And I'll be upfront; I think they made the right choice, because Titans Grip is distinctive and unique to Warriors. I agree. And lots of people can dual wield. Frost Knights can do—Frost DKs can dual wield. Rogues can dual wield. Shaman can dual wield. It's not—there's no, there's nothing about it that, that was unique, the way Titans Grip was. That being said, if they can do both, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. Because dual wielding was the Fury Warrior way back in Vanilla. For like, Up until Wrath of the Lich King was in its pre-patch, that was it for Fury Warriors. I mean, you could theoretically be a slam Fury Warrior, and I say this because I was a slam Fury Warrior in Vanilla. Being a slam Fury Warrior meant that you were super dependent on slam attacks, and you used a big two-handed weapon. But only if you got Sulphuras, Ashkandi, Kalimdor's Revenge, or above. Mm-hmm. When you got one of those two-handers, then you could switch to a Slam Fury build, and then it would do decent damage, and you could you could play with it. And I did. That was how I. That was my rating spec for the entirety of, of original WoW up until next ramas when I switched to a Prot spec because we needed tanks super super bad.
1: 6,000 in chat says that he thinks, uh, or they think that Death Knight should get Titan grip and Warriors should be allowed to hold a third two-hander in their teeth.
0: No to the first part, but I've always wanted them to have, like, a... I actually always wanted them to put three-hand weapons in the game that only a Fury (laughs) Warrior could could use, like, at all, and everybody else is like, no, I can't even pick that thing up. Like, something that looks like Ashkandi taped to another Ashkandi or something. Uh, or, you know, the, the, what's the old thing about, you know, the you, the orc has, like, you know, two-wielding gnomes that are two-wielding weapons? Two, two and a half hands, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but, but no, no, Death Knight shouldn't get anything. They should, they they got plenty. They're doing fine. Death Knight's just got their, their two-handers back for Frost, so I don't think they need much of anything, really. Uh, they seem pretty strong on the alpha, but, again, I, I can't pretend that I'm a super expert on it. I play mostly Blood. I don't play Frost, so I don't know. I, I wasn't one of those people who was, like, upset that Frost lost its 2H, which is weird because I used to be a Frost DK back in, in uh, Wrath. That was I tanked as a Frost DK. That was my tanking spec.
1: Yeah, back um, when you could tank in all three specs.
0: Yeah, I loved Frost for tanking. because The thing is, is that Blood was, back then, Blood was the big survivable spec. That was the, I have all these tricks so I don't die. Frost was the AoE king. Frost put out so much AoE threat. It was insane. Um, I don't remember why people would tank with Unholy. There was a specific reason to it. I knew people who did and loved it. But I don't remember what it was. I, I play I have I have never been much of an unholy DK. I don't think I've played Unholy at all this expansion. Sometimes when I'm doing old content, I'll switch to Unholy just so I can pop Army of the Dead. Which by the way is why I'm so glad Army of the Dead's gonna be class wide again.
1: Yeah, it needed to be. It...
0: But in general, I, th- I feel like... I honestly feel like, th- like I, this is not a numerical thing. I'm not saying that numerically these classes are ready or done or anything like that. In terms of how much damage they do, how much damage they can take, there's probably lots of room for improvement. But in terms of how they feel to play, every class I've played so far in the alpha has felt good. Um, I've played Enhancement Shaman. I've played... Uh, both Unholy and Blood Decay. I haven't tried Frost. I'm sorry, guys. Like I said, I don't play it very much. I've played every flavor of Warrior Under the Rainbow. I've done both uh, Holy and Ret Paladins. I haven't done Prop Paladin yet. Oh, no, I did for a week. That's right, I did do Prop for a week. And so far, they've all felt pretty strong. Maybe, again, strong is not the right word because it's really hard to know how strong you are when they drop you, like, 70 levels. And you're just trying to figure out, okay, what do I do? Oh, I have these abilities back that I didn't have anymore. They're back. Okay, I should get used to using those again. There, there's a lot to it. But I do think that in general, it's, the classes are feeling pretty solid. And uh, what's the last thing? The problem I have is that I have to keep switching back to the Shoulder email. Shoulder been... pieces. What's the? Uh, you have the email in front of you, Joe? Can you tell us what the last story is?
1: Yeah, it's uh, the possibility, because we don't know yet. It's been data mined. Uh, that we might get to transmog each shoulder piece separately in
0: Shadowlands. I, I quite frankly, I made like a noise when I when I read this. Like I seriously like just lost my my ever loving mind. Yep. Be- because I mean, I know that this is not something I will use every day. I know it is not, but. I will finally be able to just have one shoulder on, and I can pick which shoulder it is. I don't have to have it always yeah. be the same shoulders. And, yeah, no, this is this is a big deal for certain uniforms I've wanted to put, put together for a long, long time. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, very I'm, right there.
1: I'm right there with you with the incoherent murloc noises because, oh, man, I've wanted this forever. I love, love asymmetrical shoulders. Like, the hunter shoulders, or the male shoulders, from uh, uh, Warlords of Draenor. Uh, I think it was the Blackrock Foundry, roughly around then. Those were amazing. Uh, You had some really cool options. And I like the idea, There's there's some other shoulders that would be really nice if you could take one of them away. And the idea that I can do this on any of my
0: characters, potentially...
1: That is super exciting for me. Give me this. Please, please make this be real.
0: Yeah, I think this would be really great. Uh, again, it's only data mined. It's quite possible that they that it's not going to happen or they're just tinkering around with it and they may not be able to do it for whatever reason. Don't get too excited. But it is something that is in the data mining. It's something they found a, a variable string for. It could happen. I hope it does. Um, that's basically it for top stories, so though, I think. Yeah. That's all the stories we do have. So I guess at this point we should move on to do some emails. Um, If you have an email for the show, uh, you can either get it to us via sending it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com, you know, the little at symbol, Um, and make sure it says podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. Lately, some of you guys have been putting in for either show, which essentially means for this show because – I leap on those things like a wild rabbit. Or, or wild, yeah.
1: depending on if they come in uh, before a uh, Sunday, and I get them before he does.
0: <laughs> this never happens.
1: It has happened twice.
0: Yeah, doesn't happen.
1: He's he's fibbing. It's not happened.
0: Anyway, however, uh, you send it there, or you can go to our Discord server, and we have two channels. That one is just called like a you know Q questions channel that anybody who goes there can use, uh, and the other is a. Patron uh, Q and Podcast Questions Channel, which is for patrons only. We look there first because that's the whole deal. If you decide to be our patron, we we look at there first. Um, so that's those are places you can go to send us questions for this show. Uh, Joe's going to read them for us. So if you don't mind, Joe. Not at all. Question for Lore Watch or Blizzard Watch Pod.
1: Here's my meandering thoughts. Feel free to pick and choose from this, uh, unless maybe. You do another topic show on Elements, Spirit, Anima. It's Verdigree, Forsaken Mage again. Hi, Verd. Uh, I swapped from Frost to Fire Specs this week and was reminded there's a lot I don't know about the elements in character and have some elemental questions. Why, how do mages and not shaman summon water elementals? Oh, man, this is going to get me on a rant. Uh, I've never seen evidence of a bargain or transaction. Are they sentient beings controlled against their will like the Dark Shaman did? Do you, You'd think Thrall would have said something about that, right? Can you talk about Spirit and Decay and speculate on their place in Shadowlands? Always yours, Vertigree. I have been lobbying since Burning Crusade that Restoration Shaman should be able to summon a Water Elemental. There was a brief period in time where we did get the ability to summon, I think it was an Air Elemental, that mimicked our uh, our healing, and it irritated me to no end that it was an Air Elemental and not a Water Elemental, because Shaman pull from water. UGH! Sorry. I've been, that, that has been a, a thorn in my side for 10 plus years. Uh, but mages, I don't know. I don't think they've ever specifically said if they're enslaved
0: to their will or not. Do you remember? I don't. I don't even know if the actual thing that they summon is actually a water elemental. Like I, and I'm. This is not me trying to dodge the question. I sincerely don't know if it's just them conjuring up a thing of water to obey their will. I think it is because in the. Uh, not War Crimes, uh, the the one where the actual destruction of Theramore happens. Okay, uh, yeah. I don't remember the name of the book, but I think it's actually the Jaina, it's a Jaina book.
1: I but, think it oh, is. Man,
0: I can't remember the name. Oh, this is having a rough week, guys. Anyway, uh, when Jaina decides to use the Focusing Iris to take out Orgrimmar, she summons water elementals. A lot of water elementals. Thousands of them and then she's going to put them together into one gigantic colossal wave and just take Orgamar out. And when Thrall showed up to stop her, she kicked his butt. Like, straight up, took him out. He did not have a chance because she had the focusing iris. Going up against Jaina at that point was literal suicide. Um, so Thrall couldn't stop her. It wasn't until Caligo showed up and did a whole power of love speech that Jaina finally backed off. But he sensed her doing it because she was ripping the elementals to her and forcing them, using the power of the focusing iris, forcing them to her will. And we know that's a kind of magic that exists because the Cypher of Damnation does the exact same thing. So interestingly
1: enough, I I just found this because I was poking around. Back in Warcraft 1, apparently they answered this question, but I don't know if it's changed since then. But it sort of feeds into what you're just talking about. Uh, it is apparently a elemental simulacrum that mages make and then impart will into. It's not necessarily an actual elemental. That's in interesting, if that's still the case.
0: Yeah, I, I don't remember that, but I mean like I said, I know that in the in the, the Jaina novel, uh that she does summon water elementals, she uses the focusing iris to do it. Um, I'm not saying that, that she usually does. I have no idea. Like, maybe she doesn't. Maybe it's just some kind of, like you know, blob of water that does what she wants because she basically created an artificial intelligence for it. I, d- I don't know. I have no idea. But I do know that she she's done it at least once you, when she had the focusing iris.
1: You know what would really fix this? A class quest. Like, back in the day when they used to have the class quest that you'd go and do something specific to unlock the ability as opposed to just having it. I really miss class quests, by the way, but like having something that explains what a watermelon water elemental is to a mage, I think would be a really cool quest. I think it would be very, very neat to see how that relationship is actually formed, what the type of magic is used uh, and sort of expand upon it that way. Because, I mean, again, as a shaman, I'm really curious how that works out. And yeah, the second part, I, I think Verd's right. I think if it was any sort of, sort of elemental enslavement, I'm pretty sure shaman would have had something to say about it at some point. They're like the ones that actually care. Uh, doesn't matter what faction. I think they would have been a little upset if it was enslaving of the elements. They dang near lost their minds when the dark shaman were doing it. So,
0: but yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But I, like I said, I don't know.
1: Uh, the other part of the question, though, was about the spirit and decay and speculate on their place in the Shadowlands. No.
0: <laughs> I think spirit and anima are going to end up being the same thing.
1: Yeah, I think, they, I think I it's think just when, words of the same thing.
0: What they call anima in Shadowlands is basically what they call the element of spirit. It's what it's what Azeroth was drawing into herself to, to achieve full power. Um, to... to grow to maturity. It's what Draenor didn't have a Titan absorbing, so it's why Draenor's plant life got so crazy. Uh, and it's also why their Elementals were at peace, because they weren't fighting over table scraps. Um, Azeroth's Elementals were trying to get like the last dregs of spirit energy for themselves because Azeroth herself was just absorbing so much of it. And I think that's going to turn out to be Anima. As for Decay, I think that's just another name for the the force that is undeath. Yeah. it's it's the death force. It's you know the force that through the green fuse drives a flower, drives my green age, that blasts the roots of trees as my destroyer. It's that force that blasts the roots of trees, that blights things, that destroys things. It's just anti-life. It's it's undeath. That's what it is, in my opinion. But we, I don't. We haven't seen anything yet. But
1: maybe we'll find out more. Who knows? Uh, I'm sure we'll get something that explains a little bit more in depth of where decay falls into that place because it seems like a couple of the realms actually deal with that who knows uh our next one question for a blizzard watch pod my first introduction to an mmo was everquest rok expa- expansion i was 12 and so happy to have something like this because i didn't have any friends who played D, and it wasn't any fun to sit around and play with myself uh, however, I never maxed the character and quit around Planes of Power, just because I was overwhelmed with all the different stuff to do. Which brings me to my question. Do you think World of Warcraft has hit the glass ceiling of attracting new players? I agree that Shadowlands seems to be addressing some of the hurdles that new players face, but they, at the end of the day, uh, we're playing a 15-year-old game with 15 years of information to digest. Thanks. Uh P.S. I finally figured out how Patreon works with Discord, so I hope to be a participant in the questions asking moving forward. Tan, the man of many ults. Uh, I don't know. Do you think that they've peaked? Do you think that there's too much to do? Do you think that they, um, they're they're hitting the limit of new players?
0: I think they've actually said on a couple of occasions that they've, they go through some pretty big cycles in terms of players. And that World of Warcraft has lost more players than other games have ever had play them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like there's been something like, and this was going back, this is going back to, I think the cataclysm era. There's something like a hundred million individual accounts. Like that's not active players. That's individual accounts. That's like, and I think it's something along the lines of if you took away the people who were actively playing at that time, you'd have something like 92 million accounts that weren't playing. And again that's close to 10 years ago if not more uh since then it's who knows they've stopped really keeping track or telling us about it anyway so it's impossible to know i think blizzard definitely knows they're in a situation where world of warcraft is not pulling in tons of new players it pulls in some and i i have no idea how many um but they definitely are making adjustments to try and make it easier for people to come in and just start playing and immediately get to the place where they play with their friends Uh, the level squish is one part of that the leveling changes is another part but at the same time like the whole reason that that wow classic worked for people and it worked so well is nostalgia yeah people wanted to play the game they played in 2004 um so to a degree i don't think i think it's WoW's strength not a weakness it's not something that People don't look at WoW and go, wow, there's just too much stuff to do. I think they they more like, you know, I want to do the stuff my friends are doing. And I think that's what the changes are.
1: Well, I think the other interesting thing, too, about it is you have to understand or at least look at the, the cultural phenomenon side of WoW. Because back when WoW was really hitting its big stride, which, I, I mean, I really want to say started around Burning Crusade, and then really like hit in Lich King. It was everywhere. There were commercials all over the place. There was products everywhere. This is before Jinx was a thing, um, at least as a sole proprietor for Blizzard stuff. Uh, there were uh, all these companies producing World of Warcraft, everything, and getting them into as many stores as they could, uh, and it was saturated so many places that it, it became just, like, a, a part of cultural, like, just normality. Um, I often talk about when I was uh, in school for architecture, we, we we studied a book, I think it was called, like, the The Twelve Legendary Icons of Western Civilization, or whatever it was, and it was all these things that were, like, these massive, big influences on culture at various points. And we're talking about, like, things like blue jeans, Superman comics, these were things that are are listed as, like, these these pillars. If that book was to be rewritten, or if that study was to be redone, WoW would absolutely be one of those pillars, because it was everywhere, and it exploded in, like, this huge amount of popularity. Like, uh, you had all those Mr. T commercials, you had the um, uh, Will Shatner commercials, you had all everything in between that like it was so quotable and, and quick and everywhere and they peaked on attracting attracting new players during that time. Now it's not about attracting new players at all. It isn't. It's about getting players to come back. And like Matt said, the reason that WoW Classics is doing so well is, is there's a nostalgia factor where players wanted to play that game that they wanted to play in two thousand and four again. They want to relive some of those memories. Uh, but you also have the people that want to come back and play with their friends but don't necessarily want to go through all those catch-up and hassles that they need to to get to that point again. So now they're streamlining coming back. They're, they're stream, streamlining pick-up and put-down gameplay. That's why there's so many things to do. That's why there's things that you can knock out in 10-15 minutes or half-hour or an hour or you can spend... 14 hours a week rating, you have options. It's to give all of those players that built accounts, you know, like Matt said, at one point, maybe 100 million accounts are out there, not active, but they could be logged into or recovered or or done whatever with. Those players could come back if something entices them. And so, again, it's not about getting new players. It's about keeping old players coming back. And I can't say anything because I'm one of those old players. I still play, and I love the game. It's got tons of stuff for me to do. But I know I have tons of friends that come back to this game periodically every time they make a change. like I have friends that haven't played since before Legion because they thought it got too complicated. Legion and Battle for Azeroth was too much for them. They didn't want to keep up on artifacts. They didn't want to keep up on grinding artifact power. They didn't want to keep up on Azerite gear. was just too much. Now they're talking about Shadowlands. I've seen more of my old friends log in in the last couple weeks, propping for Shadowlands, just on the promise of the way of things to make life easier for them to get back up to speed. It's, it's, it's working is what I'm, what I'm basically trying to get at. So yeah, that's all I got on that one. Do you have anything else to add to that one? No, No. (laughs) go. Sorry. Uh, no
0: it's cool. I'm, I'm perfectly happy.
1: <laughs> uh, hello awesome watchers LD Soth here. Uh, I saw the image of the arbiter posted on Twitter by Mitch and I couldn't help but notice the strong resemblance to the Diablo 3 Angel high Heavens aesthetic. I know Rossi joked a while back about his improvised theory of Blizzard's shared universe. I don't know uh, I don't know that I have a question about this so much as bringing up the comparison to give Rossi fuel for wild imagination fun. Uh, do you want to start on that one, or do you want me to finish out the second part of that as well?
0: You should finish out the second part.
1: Okay, complete topic change. I recently did some uh, questing on Horde's Eye in BFA. There's a quest in Nazmir where you follow one of her uh, one of her Dark Rangers, and in the middle of the quest she says, is this the darkness you are trying to save us from? I stand with Rossi in that there is nothing that can be done to excuse her actions, and I don't think she is uh, enacting some enabling... Enacting some elaborate scheme to save Azeroth, but I'm curious about what this line means. Is she using this as a means of fostering loyalty? She saved the Dark Rangers from a gruesome fate, so they, so now they owe her, or is it simply that Sylvanas is convinced she is saving us all by killing us all? After all, every good villain believes they are the hero. Thanks, LDs off. So go ahead. I need to take a breather.
0: Woo. I mean, uh, for the first part. I mean, I've talked about the whole the, the quote-unquote shared universe idea, it, it is not meant to be taken seriously. Um, I do not think that Diablo takes place in the same world as, as World of Warcraft. I don't expect they'll ever do a crossover between the two games or two franchises. But it is kind of funny to think about how like the angels in Diablo, especially after Diablo 3 and 4, um, even Diablo 2, if you look at Tyrion and Diablo 2, how similar they are to like beings like the Arbiter... Uh, to the Naru and other things like that, crystalline entities of pure light, and the arbiters—the arbiter bears a really close resemblance to the various archangels, like like Uriel and so forth—in uh, in Diablo three. So it's it's not it's not an exaggeration to say that there is a certain artistic debt there. That they and they both draw from like you know similar traditions, of course. But I, I think it's interesting, and I do think it would be kind of cool to to speculate about. I don't think we have enough show <laughs> to really speculate about that. that's what Laura watches for. Mm-hmm. Um but I do think I did want to point out that, yeah, it's something I've said before in the past. primarily in jest. I, because I don't think that this is the case. I don't think that that you are I don't think going to the Shadowlands is basically us going to like you know, the pandemonium the High Heavens and the Burning Hells from Diablo 3, and I don't think we're going to show up on Sanctuary at some point. I don't think that's what's happening. But you could do it. You could make a case for it if you really felt like it. There's a lot of wiggle room there. If you look at the Wrath short from Diablo 3, which came out in 2012, again, that the short did, it's very... The art style for the various archangels is very reminiscent of the Arbiter. Uh... Not the Jailer. The Jailer looks distinct, but the Arbiter definitely looks like one of those Archangels. So it is something to look at and think about how it, how they got there with that design and what exactly is happening with it. What's yeah. the second part? Uh, the second part... So honest?
1: Yeah, the, the the darkness, where the... Uh, the que- and I know which quests they're talking about. In, in Nazmir, there's a point where you are essentially following around a Dark Ranger and helping clear out some of the Blood Trolls and... Uh, there's a moment where uh, she basically says, is this the darkness you're trying to save us from? Uh, and the question is is the f- that how Sylvanas is fostering loyalty? She saved the Dark Rangers from a gruesome fate so that they owe her, or is it simply that Sylvanas is con- convinced she is saving us all by killing us all and essentially proselytizing? So you, what do you think it is? I, I have, I have feelings about that.
0: Honestly, I, I, I don't know if it's as manipulative as one might think, because I think to a certain degree, some of the most dangerous followings come from people who are sincere in their statements. I think Sylvanas does think that this isn't this is all justified. That that the world is messed up, and she's doing what she has to do to free us all from it. And we've heard that before. We, we heard that from the, uh, the infinite dragon flight all the way back in BC. We will shadow the bonds of this clockwork universe. I think Sylvanas definitely sees the cycle of life and death as a prison. Oh yeah. And it is one we're trapped in. So she wants to break it. And so working with the jailer benefits him and his goals and also benefits her, but we don't know exactly what's going on um, or how things got to where they are. So I'm not, I'm not, prepared to try and make a sweeping statement about it at this time in terms of is sylvanas using this to i think she is using it to engender loyalty but that doesn't mean she herself isn't genuine about it you can mean something and still use it to your advantage so i would argue that she is using it to her advantage to get those that will listen to her and accept what she's saying on her side that doesn't mean she isn't also using this propaganda
1: yeah no absolutely one, I think that she is absolutely using it to her advantage. But I've been thinking about this since the Darkshore stuff, not the not the uh, scenario uh, thing, but the the actual story leading up to it. Where if you're a horde, you're going through and resurrecting fallen night elves, and it always interested me why they said yes. Because they very specifically had a choice. And you know this because when they reject you in the questing, you have to fight the Wisps. You have to fight them. They they can choose not to accept undeath, right? And I'm always wondering if what they see when they're in that state. Because they haven't moved on. They're not quite in the Shadowlands yet. They might be in that weird in-between area that we go to as players or or something like that. But where do they go? Are they cut off because of how everything is working, that all they see is darkness? So when Sylvanas says, I'm going to save you from this darkness, or I want to save everybody from this darkness, it's something that they can buy into. Not necessarily because, well... Because it's, it is the truth to them. They know what it is. They see the darkness. I always wonder that. And and this quest in Nazmir sort of feeds into that a little bit, where they know what it is, or at least they've heard of it, or they have a, a memory of it to a certain degree. Um, but maybe they don't know completely. Maybe they don't see it completely. Maybe it's one of those things where she's using that sort of... Uh, hazy fogginess that some of them talk about where they don't quite remember everything just right from when they were dead to say hey you know you remember you don't remember everything well that's because things are dark you well, know here you go so i i think she's using that to engender loyalty absolutely because it serves her purpose but that doesn't mean she doesn't believe it All right, our next question. Hi, watchers. Hope all goes well during the current situation. First off, okay, less full-on theories as in Jeopardy. Uh, phrase it in the form of a question. Been a bit since I could catch up on the podcast. I got my listen on for the past few days. Third Edition Gamma World. Is it a bad copy of a chill rule system? I took it as I, ooh, I took as I recall, a large supplement for those that purchased it and a couple articles in Dragon. It was the game that drove my group to the hero system, the second slowest system in the world next to the Role Master system, though the failure charts for that system were hilarious. At least we had Twilight 2000. Okay, that was maybe the... Uh, maybe... Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't talk today, folks. Okay, that was the maybe last rant. As for a question, what rule system... Uh, you always wanted to try, but never got a chance. For me, it was the Deadland system. The nearby group just ended and fell apart before I could get into it. Stay thirsty, my friends. Easy target. Not exactly a Blizzard question, but it's he there. the insulted
0: Gamma World. I'm extremely upset with you. What's that? Also, he insulted Gamma World. You heard Don't, him? Be. Don't be insulted. I'm mad. <laughs> Gamma World was cool. <laughs> Gamer World was always really weird. That was the thing about Gamer World from the very first edition of it. The first edition of Gamer World basically was a hardcover that looked like one of the A D and D hardcovers and it was extremely weird. And it was mm. always weird. That was the thing about Gamer World. Um, the third edition, I think you're talking about the box with the, the chart on the back and like all the weird conditions. And it was yeah, it was it was a strange game. So yeah. But that's not the question you asked. And I'm just gonna let let let's just roll with it and answer it. You go. You go first.
1: Joe I don't yeah, I don't I don't know because the problem is is I've tried just about every rule system I can think of. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I tell me all about
0: that Talislanta game you played. The which one? Talislanta.
1: Okay, maybe that's one I don't know.
0: You don't know Talislanta? Then they were the guys with the big Noel's rules thing. Remember the Uh, the Dragon?
1: Yeah, they had that weird like pseudo heavy metal cover for their book or whatever it was.
0: It was actually not pseudo; it was pretty heavy metal. It, like it was like the game, it was like the magazine heavy metal, not the music. Yeah. But yeah, uh, tell, tell us, a lot. I've got the. Uh, I forget which what edition D twenty is. On, this that point, was Omni.
1: That was Omni system. That was D twenty.
0: Not the original one, wasn't. Nineteen eighty seven. Yeah. 87s not the original. Really. Yeah, it goes back further than that. Uh, it's like Tecumel. Remember Tecumel, Empire of the Petal Throne? That goes back to the 70s. Okay. Like te- Tecumel is extremely... Tecumel predates D&D. Now I'm looking this up. First uh, edition,
1: 1982.
0: Yeah. There, was a, there were versions of it that weren't part of the... And Talisant is not the D20 system, by any stretch of the imagination. It may have used the D20, but it's, it was not D&D. It was not the D20 or even the antecedents no, to it. No, yeah.
1: Not even close.
0: But um, I'll just. This is one. That actually, I've I've always been kind of annoyed that I never got to play this game. Fading Suns. Uh, it was put out by Holistic, back in the day. I don't know who currently owns the rights to it. Uh, but Holistics was basically a bunch of dudes who were part of White Wolf, the original White Wolf guys, when they were making. Uh, oh. Was team that- run-
1: victory point game system or whatever it was I called. Don't,
0: I don't even remember to tell you how the, the game system for, for a failing suns was, but it was, it was an interesting game about like, you know, you're in the future and the suns are going out and like, everything's techno feudalist. And it's just, it was, it was very much a, I want to do some kind of weird twisted Warhammer thing, but I want to do it in the future, but I don't want it to be Warhammer. So it's like that. It's not Warhammer 40K. It doesn't even feel much like Warhammer 40K, but it does. At the same time, it's very. It has that same kind of weird, like grimy, gothic, medievalist feel to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they had like a space combat game that came out at the same time. And it was it was it was a good system. It was interesting, but it it was also very much. The people who made it i'm gonna look and see the, i've got the hardcover right here and this one is yeah this one's the holistic one i know they, they did another one i think somebody else bought the rights to it and did another one this one is by bill bridges and andrew greenberg Ooh. who were both big guys in werewolf if you remember the werewolf game. yep yep, yep. They, they were big guys in that and it's also i mean it's got additional design by john bridges uh ken leitner and ed pike and it's, you know, Holistic was very much people that were, like, part of White Wolf, who then went off and started their own company. It's even, it was even in Stone Mountain, Georgia, which is where White Wolf was at the time. White Wolf has since been bought by, like, two different companies. So if you're wondering, like, you know, what am I talking about? This is, this is going back a ways. That's a game I never got a chance to play. I've, got, I've, had like the, I've had, like, multiple rule books for it. I've bought, like, I think every edition of it that came out, and I have never played it. It's like Earth Dawn. Earthdawn's another game that I've always wanted to play and never did. Uh, I mean, there, I don't know. With Earthdawn, with Earth it of, always feels like you're kind of saying you have played it if you played Shadowrun, but it's really not the same system at all. So There's there's one that I
1: remembered now that you're talking about it that I never got a chance to play, and it was in that D6 system that was very similar to Shadowrun. Uh, the Void. It was a techno-horror RPG using a D6-style system. I never got to play that one, and that's something I was always interested in because techno techno horror is a genre you don't get nearly enough of, uh, and it's something that I think as a a genre works really well, uh, especially now in current day technology because I often talk about how do you make horror work. You have to incorporate technology into it in some capacity, uh, but I never got a chance to play that, and that was that's old. Old system, so there. That's one that I always wanted to play, but never got a chance to.
0: I'm looking at my bookshelves now. I could be like Silver Age Sentinels. I never actually got to play. Uh, Brave New World. I never actually got to play. The Dying Earth role-playing game. I never got to play. Um, so yeah, quite a few. <laughs> uh, I own. I own like my collection now is shrunk down considerably from the old days, but I own a lot of stuff I never got to play. Um, I never got to play Changeling. I only got to play um, Mage, Vampire, and Werewolf, and those, and then of Exalted. And uh, I don't think I ever actually got to play any of the the uh, the, the three A's: um, Aeon, Aberrant, or Adventure. I don't think I get to play any of those.
1: Aberrant was weird.
0: I I actually loved Aberrant just as a system for creating superheroes. I didn't care at all about the world, and I ignored it but I loved using it to create superheroes because it worked really well. Oh, that's fair. Um, yeah, but but it was just like, you know, I didn't care. I got really tired of the White Wolf thing where they're always like, it was always something to something, and it was always like, you, you get to be a powerful thing, but you can't actually do anything because of this thing, and they really went for it with Mage where they had Paradox where you could, you know, it's like, can I please just actually blow things up with fireballs, please? Just once, guys. I get your whole thing about, you know, a beast I am, less a beast I become. Can I just become a beast so I can get onto to being a beast in the game? <laughs> Do some beasty things? Uh. Uh, but I think that's the best way we
1: could uh, sort of answer that one for you, Easy Target. Uh, our next one Greetings, watchers. I wonder it's how much. This is the
0: infinite city. Sorry. <laughs> Go on now.
1: Greetings, watchers. I wonder how much gold would cost to buy or rent a house in some capital cities. By now, the NPC where I typically spent a little fortune in repairs probably have a palace somewhere already. Keep up this awesome podcast. Regards, Mahara Silverspring, Undead Priest on Agara EU. Uh, I, I mean, find myself the...
0: wondering if that's actually meant to be like just literally like throwing something in a wood chipper. Like When they take gold away from you for things like repairs and so forth, it's literally just going in a wood chipper. It doesn't go to anybody. It doesn't accomplish anything. It's just getting it away from you.
1: Listen, 15, 15 years of war, that had taxes, man. It's all those taxes on those citizens. They, those soldiers don't feed themselves. Stormwind didn't rebuild itself with no money. We funded that.
0: Well, to be fair, they did, you know, <laughs> deliberately cheap out at the end there, so they kinda did rebuild well, themselves with the no money. That was the first
1: time. I don't know. That's a, I always thought it, like, that's a good question. Do you think that some of them would be more expensive to live in than others? Do you think? I mean, on a, the one hand, on the an one hand, storm absolutely. would be super expensive.
0: I, on the one hand, maybe, but on the other hand, it's like you you say you lived next to the park at one point. Oops. Sorry about your house. The dragon destroyed it. You know, I, I, I've always wanted to, like you know, I'm, I'm going to try and move out to Elwyn and... Oh, hey, volcano erupted. Everything burned down. Oh, I guess I'll just move to Red rage Oops, sorry. <laughs> uh, orcs invading. Everything's weird. Dragons. Okay, fine. I'll go to West... Ah, what the bloody heck? So, yeah, there's, there's no... Maybe, on the one hand, you know... As you pointed out, tons of war and reconstruction projects don't—they cost a lot of money. We just, we just lost a whole bunch of people in the most recent war, and that probably wasn't cheap either. Didn't an entire fleet get destroyed? Like two entire fleets?
1: Two entire fleets. So
0: so yeah, that's those things got to get rebuilt. That's probably where a lot of the money is going. Which I mean, you know, I think obviously if you spent money on real estate and Darnassus, you regret it. Right now, hey, I'm finally at that point in the expansion where I can tell that joke. I have not been there most of this expansion, guys. I have been really upset about Darnassus. This is the first joke I've told about it. Something,
1: something, the real estate market really went up in smoke. Yes.
0: Uh, but I mean, like, seriously, like, for that matter, I mean, there's no place to buy. Like, if you think about, like, Ironforge, where would you even buy? Like, who's selling it? Like, And for Orgrimmar, every so often, Orgrimmar decides to just completely rebuild itself out of a new, even spikier material. So... Way back in the in the very olden
1: days of WoW, back when it, the game was first released, uh, and I remember that this was a thing uh, back in Ironforge in particular. Uh, before they finalized the design of it, Ironforge looked a lot like I think it was Grim Batal, where there was multiple levels, uh, not just that little weird tract thing that was in the middle of Ironforge, but there was actually like a multi-leveled city. And it was like they wanted to have NPCs. They wanted to have uh, like that were just commoners that lived in the city that that had houses. And you can see some leftovers of that if you go into Ironforge now, where you can actually yeah. go walk around and you can see empty buildings. They don't have vendors in them, but it looks like it's a house. It has a bed. It has a table. It has all the 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 other accoutrement that you would expect to have in a a living quarter or a domicile. And they scrapped it because it was just too much to do at the time. Uh, and then later on they did, like, you know, you can run through Grimbertal and you can see how it would look. I always thought it would be fascinating to have a city like that, especially after I started playing, like, Final Fantasy fourteen and interacting in some of those major cities a lot more. There were a lot of, like, little cubbies in places where, like, people had houses or huts or or whatever, uh, and I can't remember the if name look of the at, city right now, but... Like, if you look
0: at, like, Borales in particular, I, I don't... Tazar'alor has it too, but lore is, is very different. Very but different. But yeah. definitely has that... Boralus yeah. definitely has that kind of setup. It has, and, and so, so did, is. uh... The Night Elf Town from... Not the Night Elf Town, the Nightborn Town. Suramar. Suramar. Suramar had those kind of areas and sections. Uh, and I, I do think it's something that they've thought about doing, and they've, they've incorporated into newer stuff to a degree.
1: And I I, don't. I was going to say the most logical uh following off of that is I know that I this question gets asked sometimes in relation to player housing in WoW which I don't think we'll ever see. But yeah, I don't know cuz I don't know where they would put it. I I don't know where they would at this point it's sort of like this weird micro version of whatever we're looking at like Stormwind in actuality is massive. And we as players see very small pieces of it. So, But when you see de- depictions of it in, like... Or listen to depictions of it in audiobooks or read about them in books... It's more akin to what we saw in, like, the Warcraft movie. So, you gotta take the game part with a grain of salt, I guess, as well. All right. Uh, greetings, watchers. The quality either visual and story-wise, presented in the current cinematics in Warcraft is awesome. I would love that Blizzard made an experimental animated TV show uh, seasons with 8-10 episodes with 40-50 minutes. What stories would you like them to present in this format? For me, it would be either uh, a House of Cards type with the story of Stormwind politics, the problems of stonemasons, the Nixia manipulation behind the curtains, or a Walking Dead type, but even more focused on the psychological component, with the story of Arthas's Lordaeron campaign, watching his descent, uh, we could see Anderol we, and the other villages being lost, culminating in the calling of Stratholme for the first season finale. That's a very interesting question. What do you think? I'll
0: tell you right now. I'll tell you what I was thinking. I want them to go back to Diablo, the first Diablo, and make a like some kind of animated series about that. I mean, that's been rumored forever they're going to do some Diablo series of some kind. This is hardly a new thing. But the reason I want them to do the original Diablo, the events of the original Diablo, is they don't make any sense.
1: No, nope, they don't.
0: And, and partially that's because they had retconned and so forth. But I want a st- in reason in story why Aiden thought sticking that thing in his head was a good idea. And I get that, you know, Diablo was twisting him the whole time. And I get that he, you know, he was like, you know convinced that it was the only way to contain him but i want to see that i want to watch aiden go from fairly noble son of a king coming back home to finding out everything's been destroyed and messed up to guy who kills his own brother and then decides to stick the magic gem in his own forehead and also canonically he had two people with him and they were just i guess they just kind of stood there While he jammed that thing in his head and we're like, okay, well, you know, you want to jam that in your head. I guess none of my business. I'll just get corrupted and go do evil stuff too. I I would love to see it. I'd love to see the story. I want to see it unfold. I want to see how this happened, how we got to this decision as as a good idea. Obviously, it wasn't a good idea. It was a very, very bad idea. But (laughs) I, I would like to watch, you know, as Aiden's like, yes, this is the only way. You know, and and for that matter, then you'd get the whole setup for Diablo 2, which I think would make an amazing series. Like, if you are going to do a Castlevania-style Diablo series, doing the first season, you could do like the original events of Diablo as the first season, and it'd be the kind of first season where, at the end, all the main characters are gone. Like, they're not. They're either dead or corrupted, and the city is destroyed, and everything is just dark as heck. And then you go into the second series, and it's all new people trying to ch- track down the people from the first game and stop them. And it's like, it's become iconic to the point where all the Torchlight games did this too. Like the, the, the second Torchlight game, Torchlight two is basically the character from Torchlight one is now a villain. And it's like, yeah, it's Diablo two again, guys, you're making Diablo two again, you, mm-hmm. you made it before and you're making it again, but it would be great. I'd love to watch that as a series. And I think you could totally break Diablo two, the story of Diablo two up into two seasons. Like you'd end the first season at the tomb of Tal Rasha and then you'd go into the second season and it would end uh, with the, the world being destroyed. And that would be the end of the Diablo two storyline. And then you could do whatever you wanted with it because you, you've got like that 15 year period, the yeah. Diablo immortal stuff. You could totally do like a whole, you could do series set and any of that. But that's what I would want to see. I want to see the original storyline of Diablo. Make me believe that Aiden actually thought this was going to work
1: yeah, I can see that. Uh, for me, it's... I mean, I'm going to go with Warcraft on this one. But I would like to see, since they're not canon anymore, the comics and the manga revisited. I'd like to see them cleaned up, retconned a little bit, and have those stories brought to an animated screen. And I say that in... the, the It would be interesting to me to see a lot of those stories sort of unfold uh, a little more colorfully, a little more interactively, Uh, especially stuff like we just talked about the whole Ashbringer uh, scenario, like everything from start to finish. I would love to see that brought to life in an animated form with those, you know, a full storytelling experience from the very, very beginning give us a little more background of where that that dark soul sucking crystal came from that eventually became the core of the Ashbringer. show us that show us the whole journey through and then switch perspectives and you could do so many cool things with that but for me like it's a simple answer but i really just want the comics and the the manga to be cleaned up be brought back done in an animated cartoon style and made canon again because there are so many cool things in those, so many cool little tidbits that are just gone, uh, that don't count anymore. Yes, there's a lot of weird stuff too. That yeah, they can keep cutting out. That's fine. Like the whole I'm in love with a a well of power thing that that could go away. Um, but yeah,
0: no, that's he mentions that. He mentions I know. That I just don't want it to be a
1: thing. Well. I know.
0: That's that's still in game, dude. You can get out of that one.
1: I know. I tried. Uh, but that's, that's it for me. Do you have anything else to add to that one?
0: No, I think I'm cool.
1: Alright, and that takes us through all of our questions. So, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like an early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience.
0: As soon as Joe started talking in my game, Caligos just showed up and is doing the staff thing. <laughs> so it's actually happening. Over... It's like he heard you talking about him. It was like, you got a problem? You got a problem with me, Joe? I, was like, I will talk right over the end of this game. But uh, anyway, so thank you guys. If you have an email, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with a subject line podcast at blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. Or hit up our Discord. We've got two channels there you can use. I'll be more than happy to answer any questions we can we, we love getting those so please do do that uh this has been the blizzard watch podcast and we'll be here next week oh shut up kaligos